Hey everyone, this is Wesley, uh, checking in at the beginning of the episode to let you know that some weird audio stuff was happening on my end. We think it's because of Wi-Fi, whatever. Uh, we recorded this episode digitally, so there's a couple pops and crackles uh, when I'm talking, but it's not too annoying, so I hope you can look past it and enjoy the episode. Hello, welcome to the Dive In Movie Cast, a film podcast where two unqualified critics give their opinions and try and differentiate themselves from every other podcast out there. My name is Hayden. And surprise, I'm still Wesley. But yeah, welcome. Damn, I thought something might have changed in the past week. I don't know. Nah, it's still just me. Still, it's still, still just, just Wesley. Well, <laughs> we're going to be getting full on into uh, award season as, as the Oscar nominations come out and we have a little bit of a clearer look about what we're going to be talking about for the next month and a half in regards to movies. I figured it's it's a relevant conversation and we should probably talk about some of our thoughts on on the movies in the award race. I know I've seen a little bit more than you have, but you've still seen quite a mm-hmm. few of them. Um, but before we get into that, how's everything going, man? I'm not even going to ask what the, what you've been up to. I'm just going to ask how have things been going. Have things been going? Things are great. Um, I have very little complaints uh, about life. Mm-hmm. Um, I just went and saw, uh, there's at the Natural Museum of History here in uh, Halifax, they have this very cool exhibit on. Uh, that's all about the human body and has like actual people's organs and things that they donated from science in the museum. So it's like weird sculptures of people's skeletons with actual muscles still attached to them um, and like different things such as showing the effects of smoking on your lungs or why lifting with your legs is important. Um, and I went with a friend of mine, Amy, and it was a lot of fun. It was very interesting. Um to see it's kind of weird you know because you see the fake skeletons or like the um autonomously correct hearts or whatever um but seeing it like actual people's actual hearts or people's actual skeletons it's kind of weird but also very interesting at the same time yeah Um, i was gonna say like deeply disturbing and also like incredibly interesting to be able to just look at that yeah i'm just like staring at a dude's like disposed of liver and i'm like i wonder what life he lived i'm so curious we'll never Um, know we'll never know there was the coolest one i saw was there was a guy um who his skeleton was posed as he was balancing on like three balls and he was holding up above his head in one arm his entire like internal organs and it was like everything like the heart the stomach the intestines it was really weird but so cool yeah no i'm gonna have to go check this out especially because you said it was like seven dollars and i'm like damn yeah it's very cheap uh like a day pass is like seven bucks so go take a look at it check it out it's very cool go check out all these humans i will say okay so weird childhood thing did you ever go to the natural museum of history as a kid I didn't. Like, I frequented the, never dis- went? the Discovery Center, but I never went to the uh, National Museum of His- History now. Discovery Center classic, but the Natural Museum of History here in Halifax, there's an icon that lives there and has lived there for over 100 years, is Gus the Turtle. Um, he is a very old turtle, um, and I had the opportunity to watch him go on his little walk and eat a couple pieces of lettuce, and it was amazing. <laughs> He's 100 years old, so the fact that he's making that journey every day, good for him. Dude is still out here thriving. Um, Gus. But it was so interesting. I find it so interesting that so many people are just like, 
like they announced it over the PA system. They're like, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you would like to see, have you ever seen a turtle go on a walk? Have you ever seen a turtle eat some lettuce? Well, the if pitch, you'd like to yeah. check it out, yeah, that's literally the pitch. I'm not kidding. Um, if you'd like to check it out, Gus is going on his afternoon walk today. Um, and people just crowded around to watch a turtle eat lettuce. And I was like, we are simple beings. Humans, um, they don't, they don't want a whole lot. They just, they just want to watch <laughs> Gus, the hundred year old turtle go for his journey to have lunch. Go for a little walk and eat, eat lettuce. And it's not like he walked far. Like they put him down on a mat and he like takes three steps and everyone's like, Whoa. I think that's so a particularly cool. like Nova Scotian thing too. We're just like, yeah, oh, 100%. the hundred year old turtle moves again. Yeah, I've just I've been weirdly thinking about the things like that, like zoos, or even while I was at the uh, Museum of History, they have like little frogs in aquariums and whatever. And I'm just like, your sole existence is to just sit here and have people come look at you, and that's it. It's kind of sad. I think that there is something like upsetting about zoos, but also. They bring children lots of joy, so I don't, know, Very I don't true. know how to feel about it. I did see a lot of kids be like, whoa, a frog. And I'm like, okay, I guess that's cute. Um, yeah. But at the same time, those frogs are probably living the lavish life, not having to worry about getting hunted down and eaten. So Yeah, they're just they're just hopping lily pad to lily pad, having a good time. Absolutely vibing. Um, how are you? What have you been up to? It's, uh, it's big work vibes for me right now. I'm really just working. But I am going... Um, Today is Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I had to check if today was Sunday. Tomorrow, I'm going to Ottawa to visit my grandparents, who I haven't seen since 2017. Uh, we had intended to see them for a little trip prior to COVID, and then COVID happened, and then since then, we just haven't made the trip happen. So we're flying out to Ottawa tomorrow. Um, I'm looking forward to the travel. I just like being on planes. I think it's just a fun little little adventure to go on. So we're yeah. flying out to Ottawa tomorrow, and then I'm going to spend the week with them and uh, maybe go see a movie in like a VIP theater. I know my grandmother loves seeing movies with us, and we haven't been able to do that since like 2017. So maybe we'll go check something out. I think it's going to be just kind of a low-key catching up with family, kind of hanging around, but I'm really looking forward to it. I think that'll be fun. But other than that, leading up to that, I've just been working and watching some movies. <laughs> nice. The classic. The classic Hayden answer. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I, I am looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fun. I'm glad that nice. we're getting a pod in before I go away as well, because then we'll yep. have something to put out. Um, let's yeah, let's get into the Oscars though. Let's on a on a deeper level because there's some there's some snubs that I've I've been feeling about this award show, and there's also a lot of stuff where I'm like kind of patting them on the back for a pretty good set of movies. You know, like I think mm -hmm. with the with the Oscars so recently, there's always been. Movies that suck in the best picture lineup. Like people have very intense feelings towards a lot of the movies that will make it into the list. And I think this year everyone's kind of just like, yeah, very good. You know, like they're mostly pretty good. Yeah, that's the thing. You we were talking last night and you're like, we'll talk about the Oscars and what things got snubbed. And I was kind of like, I'm going to be honest, a lot of the stuff I wanted to be there is there. Um, so yeah. I, was, I was pretty excited about when I heard when I saw the nominations, I was like, this is actually pretty good. Yeah, they really nailed it. I think, you know, the Academy is doing a good job this year, picking their prestigious movies that they want in for their award show, and also kind of mm -hmm. picking, like, the mainstream entertainment that a lot of people watched this year. Like, we have Top Gun Maverick, we have we have Avatar, we have Everything Everywhere All at Once. These are hits and movies that people really liked. So I think mixing those movies in there with the movies that they're always going to continue to nominate is a, re a really smart choice for, like, bringing people back to the award show and being like, look, we're trying to appeal to everyone here. 
Um, yeah. I think it's a good call. But in 2023, the Oscars trying to get themselves back on track. What do you feel that they need to do to get their show back to relevancy? Like last year was kind of a disaster with, with the Amy Schumer host. And uh, mm-hmm. there was two other hosts there as well. I just can't remember their names right now. Um, and they were all right. But Amy Schumer really tore that award show down for me. And I think in general, the whole vibe of last year's award show was just not it. It was very not funny jokes. It was trying so hard to be like this weird Super Bowl type event. It just wasn't very good. Um, yeah. So in 2023, as they try and figure out a way forward, what do you think that they need to do to, to make their award show interesting again? Well, first, they did a really good job at choosing Jimmy Kimmel as the host. Um, mm-hmm. Very good to have somebody who is literally a host as their job to be yeah. the host of an award show. Like, I don't know how, why they didn't think of this sooner. Um, they've so, yeah, they've had they've had Jimmy Kimmel before in the past, but it was like six years ago. So like, I don't know why they didn't go back to him when their show started falling apart. They have so many late night hosts that they could pick from, or people who just like host in general instead of like actors who just get who get put up there and somebody else writes all their lines um they might write some of the jokes but somebody else writes everything else they say it's like what's the point like get somebody who's good at this to be up there um and so i i think that's a, a good step in the right direction um another thing i don't need at all don't make a single joke about the slap i need like zero jokes about that uh, let's move um, on. Yeah, I agree. As a society, we've moved past the slap. I don't want to hear about it. If it was Amy Schumer up then up there again, I'm sure she would actually make a whole bit out of it. Uh, and so I just really hope Jimmy Kimmel does not do that, and it just yeah. does not get mentioned. Yeah, there um, was three references to the slaps at the Golden Globes, and yeah. I was like, I was like, stop, stop. Eddie Murphy made a joke about it. He's Eddie Murphy. He's allowed. Other than that, let's let's move on. <laughs> I don't need to hear yeah. about it. Literally, like. At this point, we just want to move past it and know that you can do better, uh, the Academy Awards. We we want to know you can do better. So yeah. um, I just – I hope they don't mention – I mean, if they do make one joke about it, fair. Uh, but if it's like a big thing, I'm going to be like, gosh, why are you even talking about this? This was like one of your worst moments of all time. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I just hope that – I also hope I – think, I think a lot of my – uh, fears from last year of like all the weird nominations and all this stuff have been alleviated by this amazing list of nominations of movies so that's another step in the right direction but yeah i just i just think that they are making the right steps already and i hope that with jimmy kimmel and with all these great movies that are being nominated that it will be better than last year which is not hard to do i know yeah like i i've been saying for the last two or three years now like the academy is pretty much on their knees like what do we do how do we save our award show and the answer is really simple you get a host that people like you get movies that people like to talk about and and that's really it i think to get the oscars back on track you just need to to add some relevancy to it like last year there was a conversation around getting tom holland and zendaya to be the hosts they just should have done that i don't know why they didn't do that a lot of Young people would tune in to see Tom Holland and Zendaya, a couple that they very much like, hosting an award show. So, like, stuff like that, I feel like, is, like, the perfect way to just kind of draw an attention. You have to put the movies that are at the forefront of the conversation back in the conversation. Because the Academy has Mm -hmm. drifted so far up their own ass at times, where they're just like, here's ten movies that nobody watched this year. And I watched them because I love movies. But, like, nobody else did. Um, 
so I feel like this year having like the blockbusters and the movies that were like huge conversation pieces uh, involved in the conversation, I think is like, it's, it's a smart choice and it's what they should have done sooner. Yeah. I think another really good thing that will like help them is like you were saying those, like uh, how they were nominating like 10 movies that no one's ever heard of last year or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Versus this year with having a bunch of like very well-known movies. I think that's super important because I feel like, like you were saying, how last year they tried to do this big Super Bowl thing or whatever. Um, they're trying to make it so that more people will watch it who aren't fans of movies as much. Right. And that's not what you need to do. You just need to make it so that the people who do watch these movies and do go out to the theaters and see movies have seen these big blockbusters and are like, okay, I'm yeah. actually genuinely interested. Um, like it's very, I don't know why they're trying to make it so that everyone and their mother will watch the Oscars. It's like, that's not how this works. This is for the movie people make it for the movie people and they will watch it. Yeah. I think they, they're just distraught that the Oscars aren't what they used to be because the Oscars used to be like the biggest thing. And during the month of February guys, it's just not anymore. Like I, we just need to accept that it's not, and we need to make it for the people who still care about it. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's like the best way that these award shows can go forward. It's just like last year, the whole theme for the Oscars was movie lovers unite. And I've never seen movie lovers less united than last yeah. year's Oscars, Oscars <laughs> award show. So mm-hmm. I think this year, just like make, like you said, making it about the shit that people are actually talking about and interested in is like a really good way to, to bring the audience back. Yeah, um, definitely. Let's talk a little bit about like snubs. And kind of anything that we feel like should have had a part in this conversation that kind of hasn't hadn't didn't get the attention it deserves. For me, mm-hmm. I'll start off. Um, Decision to leave, uh, the Park Chan Wook movie, fantastic movie, and I was mm-hmm. positive it would have at least gotten in for best international feature, if not any of the other technical categories. It would have at least had a presence there. Um, it didn't get nominated for anything at all. Just completely shut out of the race, which is so weird because it's such an intelligent, well thought out thrilling movie and i just don't know how it didn't get in here um in best international feature in its place is a movie about a donkey called eo so i just don't know how this happened i'm not here to shame eo i'm sure he's a lovely little donkey i just i don't know how this has happened and it just it maybe they uh, watched the banshees of inishirin and they were like we love jenny so we're gonna nominate eo he's gonna yeah, we he's gonna get in there. now yeah we're donkey fans but i don't know this was a, this was a bummer to me to at least see it to, to not have it at least kind of part of the conversation in some sense. Like, you know, best cinematography, that movie's masterfully shot, and it just mm-hmm. just didn't get in here. It was a real bummer for me. I know you haven't seen it yet, but um, fantastic Yeah, I gotta watch movie. it still. Yeah, it's, it deserved to be a part of this conversation, and I know it will still remain a part of the conversation in, in cinephiles' hearts, but, oh, man, this should have had a part, a part to play in this year's award show. Yeah. I think one definitely for me is... Uh, I know, like, the Academy Awards doesn't like superhero movies. I understand. But Batman only getting nominated for VFX and not cinematography is, like, upsetting. Uh, there are some shots. L. There are some shots from the Batman that I would literally, like, stare at for three hours and just be in awe. Um, I think the cinematography in that movie is incredible, and I don't understand why it's not there. Because, like, mm-hmm. most of the time they won't put those big uh, movies up for things like best actor or actress or best picture or whatever, which is fair. Um, but like the cinematography in that movie is so good. I know. 
And like, I feel like the Academy, I, I expected to see a little bit love, more love towards Batman because it's like not really a conventional superhero movie in any way. It's yeah. very much like a thriller. It's very much a uh, Joker esque. Yeah. Know? So I just I was stunned that in in a time where the Academy will give Joker nine nominations, they can only give the Batman two. You guys are shameful. Yeah. No, I think that that movie deserved to have. You know, even if it was just going to show up in some technical categories, I think it deserved to have more of a presence, especially in cinematography. Like, like you said, that movie really is like the best shot movie of the year, in my opinion, or it's at least beautiful. one of them. Yeah, it's fantastic. So I don't know how how Bardo, which, by the way, it's a very nicely shot movie. Bardo, I haven't watched it, but I've seen some clips from it. It looks good, but everyone hated that movie. Nobody liked Bardo. So how did it get in there? It's just a it's so weird that they're like bad movie looks nice. It's like, yeah, but good movie looks nice too, guys. What are you do? What are you doing? <laughs> good movie looks even better. Yeah, that's a weird choice. I also think Nope not getting in for cinematography was, was bizarre. Yeah, like I don't, you don't have to love Nope, but I think that that movie like just looks fantastic. I mean, it has um, Hoyt Van Hoytema, who's one of like the the best cinematographers who's been working right now. Like, I just think it deserved more attention. Yeah, Nope completely shut out of the Oscar race as well. Weird choice. Yeah, completely not there. Uh, yeah, but, that's another thing I would say. It's like snubs. I, I know you mentioned this, um, that, uh, what was it? I think it was Pearl. You had mentioned mm-hmm. that uh, you were upset that Pearl didn't get anything. Like, the Oscars not putting any horror or anything like that in here. I know. I understand. I feel like they don't do a lot of horror stuff most of the time, but, like, Nope was incredible. Um, yeah. I haven't watched Pearl yet, but I've heard so many great things about um, the main actress. I can't remember her name right now. Oh, Mia Goth, um, yeah. Yeah, of her performance in that. Like, So I, it's kind of upsetting not to see those here either, but I, I feel like the Oscars don't really do horror either as much. No, they hate it. They like they gave Silence of the Lambs credit back in like the 90s, and then they were like, all right, we're done. We gave you it. what you yeah. like. Yeah, we're done with it. Um I remember in 2019, the most shameful thing they've ever done is have a whole dance number dedicated to Midsommar and Us. Right. While they gave none of those movies any attention in any of the categories. They were just like, look, we want to profit off of how cool these movies are, but we don't actually respect these movies in any sense. It's Yeah, exactly. They've just always hated horror. And I like horror this year has had a lot of really good performances. Like Mia Goth's performance actually should have been here for Best Actress. Like I she is so good in that movie. And if only they could get past the fact that she's murdering people while acting her ass off. Cause like that movie just rules and it's a real acting showcase for Mia goth. So I know Pearl stood no chance ever, but I was like, it should, it's really weird that it's not here. <laughs> um, let's talk, I guess like a little bit more like positively, some of the things that were exciting for us, things that we seen when we looked at the nominations and we were like, fuck yeah. For me, the biggest one, was Paul Mescal getting in Best Actor for After Sun. Um, yeah. Dude, this was such a me nomination. Like, when this happened, I actually had no no, no hope in him because, like, he's a, it's a great performance, and I, I wanted him to get nominated, but I just didn't expect this at all. When he got nominated, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, they actually went for it. Um, a very quiet performance, a very understated performance um, compared to some of the other stuff in some of the other categories. Like, this is a very subtle movie after sun and a very subtle performance from Paul Mescal. So I'm really glad he's here. I know he stands no chance to win, but I'm really glad he's here. Mm-hmm. 
Is there any, yeah. um, any things that you've seen where you were like, that's exciting. I'm, I'm happy to see this here. Um, I'm, honestly, like, I think the whale is something I was really happy about seeing Brendan Fraser being nominated for best actor. Like I I've seen all of his, cause he's gotten a couple awards already and I've seen all of his like speeches and everything. And just so grateful to be back in Hollywood. And I think that the movie really does deserve so much praise. And Brendan Fraser's like performance in that movie, wow. Yeah. Um for a guy who has not been doing acting for years to come back and do that, yeah. like wow. That's really all I can say for that. It's amazing the way he says a lot of the times he's like he's just grateful for that they um they let him back in or they've brought him back in like he's just grateful to be there and it's so good i i love seeing a humble actor who's like i haven't been here for a while but thank you so much for like still believing in me and still having me here um to see him get the recognition that he deserves is it's really good i love it i agree brendan fraser an absolute humble king um and you know like the whale is a movie that is somewhat divisive i know some people have super super intense love for it and then there's kind of a, a mixed reaction as well i fell into a little bit more of the mixed reaction with the movie itself but i think it's like completely inarguable that brendan fraser is like incredible and deserves best yeah. actor for sure mm -hmm. i think um, I, I watched a speech where he was talking about i'm usually the guy who holds these awards and i and i pass them to people and yeah and he's talking about he's just like demonstrating how he's like you know left hand handshake right hand award and he just mentions that over and over he's like that's been the last 30 years of my life and he's like so being here in the alternate position is is so humbling and so moving every time i listen to brendan fraser talk i just smile and get like like i just i don't know i'm so happy to have him back in movies and it's the whale is truly one of the year's best performances so he's yeah. well deserved here i i will also say i think another thing i'm very excited about and very happy for is uh that this is a life is in best original song yeah um from everything everywhere all at once that song is so good at the end of the movie um and yeah it's just incredible to see that one there uh i i love that song and so it's inc it's crazy to just be like because I, I just rewatched the movie not that long ago and i hit the end and i forgot that it was at the end credits and it just started playing and uh my friends that i was watching it with they were like talking about it but i was just like shh, shh, shh. let me let me just listen for a second I'm, I'm yeah. letting Mitski consume me. Let it happen. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I think what's really cool about this, too, is like in a category full of Lady Gaga and Rihanna, you know? Like, yeah. And honestly, there was a pretty relevant Taylor Swift song that came out for the movie Where the Crawdads Sing. Um, and a lot of people thought that would take this spot. But the fan hype must have generated enough of a movement to get This Is A Life in there. For me, that's my best song of the year. Um, I, I want it to win that category for sure. And... I think we're going to get lucky enough to see it performed live at the Oscars, which would be really cool. Whoa. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun just to have that song. I bet there's going to be a bunch of googly eyes in the background while they're playing it. It'll be good. That would be amazing. Oh, wait, real quick, real quick tangent. Yeah. Um, Hayden, I saw on Instagram that you posted about buying <laughs> the uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once Rock <laughs> with pet Googly rock? Eyes. The $35 <laughs> Rock with Googly Eyes that I almost because bought. Because I saw it, and I saw that you had, were like, it's $35, but I really want it. I was like, I looked at it, I was like, $35, not worth it. And then I took a second, and I was like, but that's kind of cool. <laughs> like, it would be, it'd be sick to have, for real. Imagine, like, placing that rock 
on your win on your windowsill and it's looking off into the distance the same way they look off the mountains. Oh, I so know. Stupid. For like the same for like two dollars, not even a dollar twenty five. You could just buy a bag of googly eyes. I can go to the dollar store. Yeah, I can I can find a rock and I can put googly eyes on it. And I'm sitting here like, hmm, but this one's everything everywhere all at once branded. Thirty five dollars. Honestly, if we're gonna spend the thirty five dollars, we may as well get the hot dog fingers. They sell those for the same price, and oh, that's a better yes. investment, I think. That's a much better, way investment. more worth it. Yeah, <laughs> I really was fighting for my life, trying not to order that. Though I don't, there's no reason. <laughs> it was it was a rough battle. Uh. Um, yeah, no, I'm really excited to see. Actually, everything everywhere kind of swept with eleven nominations, which is like yeah, out here, out here. It's um the most nominated movie this year. And if you had asked me when this movie came out if this weird little movie about the multiverse would be the front runner for Best Picture and sweep 11 categories at the Oscars, I just w- wouldn't. I don't think I would have believed you, even though I've always loved this movie. I just didn't think this was going to tune into the Academy's sensibilities. And the fact that they were like, 11 nominations, this shit rules. I was like, let's go. Yeah. Crazy. Um, and uh, yeah, I also just like shout out everything everywhere all at once for having two nominations in the Best Supporting Actress for Jamie Lee Curtis and Stephanie Sue. Like, yes. whoa, so good. So deserved, too. Yeah, crazy stuff. Um, do you want to, like, get into the categories a little bit? We've kind of just been talking more broadly, but we can get a little bit st- straight into our categories and our thoughts on them. Yeah, let's let's do it. Cool, let's start with Best Leading Actor. Um, best Leading Actor. We have Brendan Fraser for The Whale, as we had mentioned. Um, Austin Butler for Elvis, Colin Farrell for The Banshees of Inishirin, um, Bill Nye for Living, and Paul Mescal for After Sun. I think mm. this is like a pretty intense and competitive category. There's some of these categories where I'm like, this is straight up going to win. These stand no chance. This one, for the most part, I'm like, damn. There's five people here. I think it could really most realistically go to three of them. I think yeah. Bill Nye and Paul Mescal probably not going to win it, but it's good to see them here. Uh, and then the other three, Colin Farrell, Austin Butler, and Brendan Fraser. That's like a, a steep race. And it really depends yeah. on, on what your sensibilities are as as a voter for like which movie you'll go for. Because you have Brendan Fraser in the really sad, troubled character, the intense kind of transformation role that the Oscars love so much. They love when actors do this. Um, and then you also have, you know, Colin Farrell, who's an actor who's deserved an Oscar for years now, um, in a very empathetic and entertaining performance and then you also have austin butler as elvis just i don't know this one's how do you feel about austin butler being here as elvis because i remember when we did an episode on elvis we didn't love the movie but we praised the shit out of austin butler and now that he's actually here and he's nominated it just feels a little bit different than i thought it would i'm just like yeah i don't really want him to win to be honest like it's a great performance no shade i just don't think that the elvis impersonator should be winning in this category fair um i i think he does deserve to be here um the like commitment and time and effort he put into bringing elvis to life like i still see clips of them side by side of like the real elvis Mm -hmm. and austin butler doing things like exactly how he would do it um and the fact that he is like still talking like elvis because he can't actually get rid of the accent like the dude really did put his all into this performance, and so I have to respect it. I would be much happier if Brendan Fraser or Colin Farrell wins, but if Austin Butler wins, I wouldn't 
be that upset. We're not going to riot, yeah. No, I think he did do a really good job. I think he does deserve to be here. So if he does get nominated, fair, honestly. Yeah, I think me calling him the Elvis impersonator may be a bit demeaning because it's really not that. he. It, it's less an impersonation and more so he was possessed by the ghost of Elvis. So He was. Yeah, um, he really became him. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy to see how like almost exactly like him he is in the movie. Yeah. It's, it's pretty spot on. It's unnerving at times. It's like, Jesus, this dude is like, he's really giving it his all. So, well-deserved nomination. I just think Elvis has a little bit of a chokehold in this awards race, and it's like the one outlier where I'm like, everything's great, and then there's Elvis. And I'm like, yeah, it's fine, yeah. Um, I think my bet, if I had to place a bet on this, is probably for Brendan Fraser. But Colin Farrell could really easily get this. And it's important we don't undermine Austin Butler because he's also yeah. getting a lot of talk. It's like you were saying, it's a steep race. It's really close. Um, yeah. This is the hardest I, one to predict for me. Yeah. I could go either way. I really do hope that Brenda Frazier does win it, but I could also very much see Colin Farrell winning it because holy crap, his performance in uh, Banshees is insane. Yeah. Um, the next category of facts. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you had posted a while ago about the compilation of how many fecks are in the movie. It's hilarious. It's a lot of feckin' fecks. Yeah, that movie rules. I, I do want that that movie. I, I don't know. I want Colin Farrell to come home with it because I'm, I'm so torn on this race because I, I think Colin Farrell is an actor who deserved this for years now. Mm-hmm. And giving this to him for Banshee Divina Sheeran is also kind of doubling. It's like, this is also for, for what you did as Penguin, which was incredible. Yeah, exactly. Um, best actress, we have Andrea Riseborough for Two Leslie, Michelle Williams for The Fablemans, Kate Blanchett for Tar, Ana de Armas for Blonde, and Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, okay, really quick before we get into the category, something that's really funny. Mm. Andrea Riseborough here for Two Leslie. Do you have you seen all the stuff online about this? Have you read anything no, I about this? Okay, so this was pretty much a super grassroots campaign for a crazy indie film like two leslie i think made 25k in theaters it made like no money it was super indie and um the way it got in here was really weird because and it's actually starting to prove to be a little bit controversial because the front the person who led the campaign was andrea riseborough's husband i believe um oh yeah, so it's kind of like a ooh, questionable nom of how she got in here. But essentially, the people who who market, like her, her press and her publicity, must have just done a really, really good job with this campaign because there was no conversation around Andrea Riseborough getting in here for the entire awards race leading up to the Oscars. And then right before the voting period for the Oscars opened, a bunch of celebrities started tweeting about this movie. Edward Norton, Gwyneth Paltrow, Amy Adams all tweeted about it being the most moving performance they've seen this year and how they were completely shaken by it and how she needs to get in for Best Actress. This all happened in two weeks. She pretty much went from not part of the conversation at all to nominated for Best Actress within the course of two weeks because celebrities pretty much just started pushing. Right as the voting window opened, they were like, everyone watch this movie. And a lot of people just ended up checking it out when it was not projected to have any nominations at all. Um, very weird that she got in here, but I've heard the performance and the movie is, is quite good. So I'm going to have to check it out before I have any opinions on it. Yeah, um, same here. But then the other four are a little bit more, we're a little bit more familiar with. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This is a tough race, but largely between Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh. 
Everyone's really yeah. torn about where this is going to go. Michelle Yeoh um, really deserves it. I think she's the first Asian leading actress nomination in 80 years, which is wow upsetting. And also, it's well-deserved for Michelle Yeoh. I think like she really should get this because it's such a sympathetic, entertaining performance. I know I'm using the same words to describe some of these performances, but Michelle Yeoh's in particular, we've been talking about it for all year. I don't even think we really need to get into how much we love everything everywhere all at once here. Um, but this is a tough race between those two. How do you feel about Ana de Armas getting in here for Blonde? I didn't watch Blonde, and that's because it was... I heard all the controversy about it and all these things. And so I was like, I don't really want to give my money to this movie. Um, at the same time, I have heard good things about her performance. Uh, and I know she's a great actress. Um, but I feel like this is just kind of one of those ones that the Academy was like, we should put this in here because it's a movie about Marilyn Monroe and movie and stuff and cinema and hello and Hollywood, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I so I, I feel like that's what this nomination is, and it's an interesting choice. We were talking about this. It's an interesting choice to put that um, on there because that means that people will probably want to go see that movie and want, if they haven't checked it out already. And I don't know how I feel about just giving that movie more money because it's in the Oscar race. Yeah. Um, but, like, I didn't see it, so I can't really say – uh, but those, that's my thought on it, is that I feel like it's one of the Oscar-nominated ones where they're like, oh, we should put this in here because Marilyn Monroe, you know? Yeah. No, I, I think you're spot on. And I do think, like, I watched Blonde. Um, I hated it. I thought it was really bad. I thought it was really manipulative and exploitive and super pretentious. The director had his head so far up his own ass he couldn't even make a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said... Honor the Armist is really good in it, and the technical stuff, like cinematography and all these other things for it, are impressive. So there are things about this movie that shine through. It's just when the movie itself is so, so far up its own ass, it's, I don't know, it's not very good. I didn't like it very much at all, but I do think Honor the Armist is good, and it almost feels like they're just like, we like Honor the Armist, so just put her in here. Um, yeah. I don't know. This could have went to, I think there's a lot of frustration that um, Daniel Deadweiler didn't get in here for her performance in Till, which is, um, have you heard about this movie? I've heard about it. I haven't seen it. It's It follows the mother of Emmett Till, um, a black boy who was, who was lynched. I think, I believe it was in the 50s, but I don't want to speak wrong about that. Um, but apparently it's a very, I haven't seen this movie yet, but I've heard it's an incredible performance and a really like everyone thought she was a lock to be in here because that's such a emotional driven performance and she just didn't get any attention. And instead, we got Honor the Armas in a movie nobody liked and Andrea Riseborough sneaking in here somehow. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about... Oh, actually, hold on. Sorry. Who do you think is probably going to win here? I know you haven't seen Tar yet, but if you had to, just guess. I I think, like you said, it's going to be close between... Um, on a, uh, sorry, Michelle Yeoh and Kate Blanchett. Like, yeah. it's going to be really close. I, I haven't even seen Tar, but I know that the performance is incredible and like next level so tar i didn't love the movie but it's like a full-on acting showcase for kate blanchett who is like one of the best actor actresses working right now so you give an yeah. actress like kate blanchett an acting showcase and she's gonna run away with it so i don't know i want michelle yo to win but it's a tough it's a tough one here mm-hmm. let's um best supporting actress we have angela yeah. bassett for black panther wakanda forever 
Carrie Condon for The Banshees of Inishirin, Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Stephanie Sue for Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Hong Chow for The Whale. Mm-hmm. This is a pretty good category. Um, yeah. And I also don't really know who's going to win. There's a lot of talk around Angela Bassett getting her first um, Oscar win and, and Marvel's first Oscar win, which would be pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm rooting for, if I really had to narrow in on it, honestly... I love Stephanie Sue, but I can't just go for an everything everywhere sweep. I want Michelle Yeoh. I want Kiwi Kwan. I have to add some variety in here. Mm-hmm. I kind of want Angela Bassett to get it. I think that'd be really cool. And it'd be a real moment for Marvel. And it's also, the, it's a well-deserved moment for Marvel. What Angela Bassett does in that movie. Um, I mean, like I talked on Kyber Culture a little bit about this, but when you hear the lines of dialogue where she's like, I am queen of the most powerful nation. I've lost everything. Uh, yeah. Have I not given everything for you? That's like, that line gives me chills. Just from the trailer and in the movie, it's genuinely, like, it it takes the air out of the room. And so, I think she actually deserves it here. I know it's a Marvel movie, but I really do think she's super good in that movie. Yeah, honestly, now that I think about it, I think that that is some of the best acting in any Marvel movie out there, period. Absolutely. Um, She really does bring reality to the situation of most Marvel movies where it's just like, insanity um yeah I, I definitely agree i could totally see angela bassett getting that um she does amazing i would also love to see i i i also want the everything everywhere all at once sweet but stephanie sue in that movie is just so good yeah i could very much see her winning it um i, I would i mean i could also see carrie condon winning it for banshee's vinishiran i think she does a really good job in that movie and it's very funny at times too, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's really gonna be. I I think it might be Angela Bassett. I would love to see her win. She definitely deserves it. And I mean, with with how much this performance is inspired and influenced by the death of Chadwick Boseman, I think yeah. it would be a really emotional moment for for Angela Bassett winning right, like finally deser- winning that award that she deserves for Marvel winning something, and for really in spirit Chadwick Boseman in that room feeling this win for something that he was so proud of you know yeah hopefully it'll be a chance for the oscars to make up for their horrible treatment of chadwick boseman uh yeah yeah the problem wasn't the problem wasn't that he didn't win the problem was that they were relying on people to view it so that oh my god um the problem wasn't that he didn't win the problem was that people were relying on that uh like chadwick boseman's name to draw people to that ceremony which is like really manipulative it felt weird that's so manipulative and so horrible and like even how at the like when we were watching it i remember uh he didn't get the award and we were upset and then like at the very end of the awards they're like rest in peace chadwick boseman anywho commercial and i was like what that was rest in peace chadwick boseman we like anthony hopkins more we're out of here see ya yeah it was like so quick at the very end it was bad um so hope maybe this will be a Moment for the Oscars to correct a mistake that was just horrible. Yeah, I agree. Here, one sec. Junior's being a little shit. I'm going to go put him in a room so he can't keep yeah. being a little shit. Go for it. Guys, Hayden's gone to get uh, his cat to put in a room. I might leave this in. This would be funny if you just heard me talking. Like... What's up? How's it going? How's life been? Tell me uh, all about the things that are happening in your life. And here's my advice to you. 
best of luck. Um, do your best because that's all anyone can ask for. Yeah. Wow, this is a lot harder by myself. I put Thank them God. in the laundry room. Oh, nice. Thank God you're back. I just tried to carry the podcast by myself. It was bad. <laughs> <laughs> it fell apart. Uh, moving on to Best Supporting Actor. Uh, this one has a very clear winner. And I think it's the one category where it's like, this person's winning. Nobody else stands mm-hmm. a chance. Sorry. Uh, we have Brendan Gleeson for The Banshees of Inishirin. Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway. Very excited to see Brian Tyree Henry get in here, an actor that we love yeah. very much. I saw Causeway the other day. Good movie. Didn't love it, but I did love his performance, so I'm glad to see him here. Uh, Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans. Barry Keoghan for The Banshees of Inishirin. And Kiwi Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Who is yeah. going to win that award? Yeah, he is totally going to win that award. Like, Brennan Gleeson, holy crap, he's so good in Banshees of Inishirin, but like... Come on, Kiwi Kwan literally made everything everywhere all at once like so good. He's the heart um, of that movie, you know, like he's he's the emotional beating heart at the core of that movie. Yeah, so I, I really hope he wins. I like, I'd be fine if it was Brennan Gleeson. I I mean, I would also be fine if it was Judd Hirsch. But like, come on, give it to the boy. Give it to the boy. It's. I think this is so obvious too because Hollywood is going to want to give Kiwi Kwan something. They're going to be like, "Listen, your story is very much a story of you were treated like shit by this industry. You wanted so badly to continue being an actor after your your streak of movies as a kid, and we didn't have a place for you. And you found your place. And I just think it's it's a well deserved win. I think it's a moment that'll be moving for him. I genuinely think that I'll cry if he wins that award because it's just an actor that I've grown up with. I've watched him in these movies." that my dad showed me since I was a kid and just seeing him win this award would be so good. Anybody who follows the dive in, I'm constantly posting about Kiwi Kwan. It's like, it's excessive. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's like little edits of him from everything everywhere all at once. It's, it's clips of his speech. I just, I love Kiwi Kwan. And so I think that this is my personal pick, but I also, also think he's just going to win. I don't even think it's really a competition and that's not to, to take away from the fantastic performances from Brendan Gleeson, uh, Barry Keoghan, um, Judd Hirsch, Brian Terry Henry, but I just think this is the boys' award. He's getting it, and I'm really excited for that moment. Yeah, no, definitely. I wish it was. Uh, I wish it was a more competitive category too, because then we could like compare and contrast. But Kiwi Kwan's just taking that award. He's going to take it. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's get a little bit more away from the actors and actresses for best director. Uh, we have Martin mm-hmm. McDonough for The Banshees of Inisherin. Todd Field for Tar, uh, Ruben Ostlin for Triangle of Sadness, managed to sneak his way in here. Personally, like Triangle of Sadness a lot. Don't think he should be in here. Um, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shiner for Everything Ever All at Once, and Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans. My, my instant gut feeling is that this is Steven Spielberg's award. I don't think he's going to win Best Picture. I do think for the movie based on his life, an acclaimed, beloved director like Spielberg getting best director i can absolutely see that happening i don't i don't think it's gonna win best picture i think it's in the running for it but i don't think it's gonna win it um what do you think about this category and where do you think it might go um i could definitely see steven spielberg winning uh but who i'd like to win is martin mcdonough or uh one of the directors for everything everywhere all at once um Mm -hmm. hey steven spielberg great director amazing director but we already know that let's give this award to one of these 
great directors who have come out with amazing movies this year, such as Everything Everywhere All at Once, out of nowhere, being this mm-hmm. amazing like cult classic. I, I think this is going to be become a cult classic um, type of movie. And Martin McDonough for making this like introspective, um, like weird, almost like romantic drama movie, but through friendship. Um, so like, yeah, it's super interesting. Like the amount of just amazing directors we have in here. And I'll be curious to see where it goes. But for me, I would rather Martin McDonough or one of the directors for everything, everywhere, all at once to win. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can agree with that. I, I don't know. I have a feeling that I like on one hand, I'm like Spielberg deserves it. It's Spielberg. And this is a movie about his life and that he directed. So let's give it to him for best director. But at the same point in time, Spielberg's gotten a lot of love at the Oscars over the year. It's not like it's not like this is like a let's give Steven Spielberg his well-deserved first Oscar. It's like, no, nah, he's he's had Oscars. So Yeah, let's give Steven Spielberg his well-deserved fifth Oscar or however many. I have no idea. <laughs> right. Um, Todd Field's an interesting one in here, too, because he hasn't directed a movie in 16 years. And Tars' his first Whoa. movie back. So I feel like the Academy might be like a little bit leaning towards that in some sense, but I don't know. I honestly, I would love to see Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert win, but also Martin McDonough, I think stands a real chance in this category. And I'd also be really happy to see him take that mm-hmm. best original screenplay is, um, is actually the exact same group of movies. So we'll just skim over this one really quickly. Oh, Everything yeah. everywhere all at once, the Banshee of Inishirin, Triangle of Sadness, the Fablemans and Tars. Um, I'm not trying to sit here and just be like a mouthpiece to say everything everywhere for every single category. But if, but if this, this category is, is yeah. if this category is best original screenplay, it belongs to this movie. Um, mm-hmm. It's so many original ideas being thrown at the page at once and all of them come together cohesively and work. That's crazy. But also the fact that really a movie like everything everywhere all at once just came through and like entertained and touched everybody the way it did with its crazy antics i think the script for it is completely responsible for everything that follows and all the attention and, and love that this movie's gotten that follows so yeah this belongs to this movie in my opinion but how do you yeah feel? i would i would totally agree i i think that either everything everywhere all at once or like i could also see the fablemans winning this um because the the story that spielberg makes of his life and like how many interesting concepts and ideas are happening where it's like movies, but also his family and also all these things. I could totally see that one winning too, but yeah, I'm definitely rooting for everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. Same. Literally. Yeah. Like you were saying, like, I feel like we're just going to sound like mouthpieces for everything everywhere all at once, which honestly I'm not complaining about. I liked other movies this year. I swear. I liked a lot of other movies. The Fableman is my third favorite movie of the year. And everything everywhere is my number one. So it's not like I'm sitting here outcasting the Fablemans. I do want it to win something. I just, the categories that I think everything everywhere all at once deserves, I think it just really deserves them. And I think Mm -hmm. it's telling a deeper story than just like entertaining movie had fun. I think it's, it's decades coming representation for, for Asian American representation in, in film, really just Asian representation in film. But I think having them on screen is just, I think that they deserve these awards, you know, like that's just how I feel. Yeah. Best production design um, is our next category. And I think this one's a pretty, I don't, I don't know where this one will go, but we have Babylon, the Fablemans, 
All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, and Elvis. Wesley, part of me is worried this is going to Elvis. I don't know what to do. I'm freaking out. I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset if it went to Elvis. Like some of the sets on Elvis, like some of the really cool like when I think about it, I think of that Elvis holiday special scene mm-hmm. where I'm like, holy crap. Like the amount of design to make that cool stage uh, that looked like a holiday special and then to flip it around just to Elvis in front of that giant uh, red, like his name all in red. And like some of the the recreations of like old studios or uh, like his actual stages of crowds of people like the uh, the thing I'm thinking of in specific is like um, uh, what is the the stage that he plays on in, in Vegas um like all those different yeah yeah, all those different sets that they have for that like so cool so i i wouldn't be upset um if best production design goes to elvis like i wouldn't be that upset but there are some very good nominations in here too such as babylon um and avatar of water like babylon it's listen i am a i'm a proud member of the babylon hive and i am sitting here I am I'm on my knees with my hands outstretched. I am saying, give Babylon best production design. When you watch that movie, um, a movie that divides audiences for sure, but when you watch it, it's immediately clear, holy shit, I don't know how they did this. Like the party sequence alone, the production design for all that is unreal. The way that it, it captures these sweeping Hollywood uh, set pieces, I just think is... Babylon, to me, the reason I love it is because it's not just a Hollywood movie shot like a Hollywood movie. It's a Hollywood movie shot like an epic. It's shot like a a war movie, almost. It's this grand thing. And so I think that this award is easily, easily Babylon's. But we'll have to see where that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, best Cinematography. So really weird category. I was talking with Joe from Kyber Culture, and we were just talking weird. about how this, this category kind of sucks, to be honest with you. It's kind of the one where I was like, geez, how did this happen? Um Empire of Light, a very meh movie shot by Roger Deakins, who's a fantastic cinematographer, but it's really, it's far from his best work. I don't even know why it's here. Um, All Quiet on the Western Front, well-deserved. Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths. Um, I don't think Bardo should be here. Nobody liked it. Let's let's get, let's get Nope in here instead. Yeah. Um, and then Elvis and Tar. As we kind of discussed earlier, Batman and Nope should have been in here instead of Empire Light and Bardo. But mm-hmm. with the category kind of dwindled down to these three movies instead of the five that we care about, I'm actually rooting for All Quiet on the Western Front. I know you only really can speak on Elvis because um, you haven't yeah. seen you haven't seen Tar All Quiet on the Western. I Front. have I have seen clips from All Quiet on the Western Front, and it does look amazing. So I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um. Some really yeah, great I, shots in that movie. Yeah, this is a weird category, and I haven't even seen the movie, but I'm probably rooting for All Quiet on the Western Front. Yeah. Um, I don't want Elvis to get this. Elvis is not shot good at all, actually. That's like, it's really... Well, it's actually... Elvis is edited weird. It's not that it's shot weird. It's that it's edited really weird. Visually, it's very stunning. But, uh, yeah, it's edited weird. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't want Elvis to win here either. Also, really quickly, I just want to go on the tiniest little rabbit trail. Um, Did you hear about the... uh, I think I was actually talking about this, of the Tom Hanks nominations at the Razzies. Yeah. Yeah. so for those of you who don't know, the Razzies are like this smaller 
uh, not actual um, award show where they give like give out like the worst nominations. Like Tom Hanks is nominated for the worst actor of 2022. Twice. Um, yeah, twice. One for Elvis and one for um, Pinocchio. Uh, Pinocchio. Yeah. And you know what? Fair. He's had a rough year. Um, he has not been in great movies. I've heard that um, uh, a man called Otto is actually really good. I have too. Uh, I haven't I've seen heard nice yet. things about it. Yeah. But man, yeah, he's not doing great, and I'm glad that he's not in here for any like, <laughs> like nominations. Yeah. Like, if he like, got the best supporting actor nomination, I would be like, okay, the Oscars is lost. There's nothing. I, yeah. There's no saving it. I'd be throwing things if if he had gotten best supporting actor here. Tom Hanks' performance in that movie. Tom Hanks, one of our greats. Just an awful year for Tom Hanks. So yeah, I'm just really glad he's uh he's not here. Um, let's talk best animated feature. This is a category we kind of originally wanted to do this whole episode on, and then we just expanded it to an Oscars episode. But the nominations are Turning Red, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, The Sea Beast, and Puss in Boots: The Last Wish. Dude, this category actually fucking rocks. There's not a bad movie in here. Yeah, it's uh. It's crazy. Um, weirdly enough, like, because you, when I think of, like, best animated films, I'm like, oh, well, there's going to be, like, some kids things or whatever. But I've seen all these except for Sea Beast, and all of these are so good. Yeah. Um, like, the main ones I think we wanted to talk about were uh, Pinocchio and Puss in Boots. Because I think we've already touched on Turning Red and Marcel the Sh- Shell with Shoes on. Mm-hmm. Not Sea Beast, uh, but I haven't seen that. So, um, but yeah, there's some like really good nominations here. Um, mainly, I, I'm really rooting for Pinocchio. Uh, I think that Guillermo del Toro's version of Pinocchio here is incredible. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a great representation to Disney specifically on how to redo your movies. Because um, Disney redoes their movies, but it's like the exact same thing, and they just like put a new piece of paint or new layer of paint on it versus this where it's like he fully reconstructed the entire movie like there's so many more interesting things happening in this um like things like pinocchio having to deal with fascism um like and grief very yeah and grief and loss and the like boiling it down to the very uh human part of the pinocchio movie which is that this doll is going to live forever, but he wants to be a real boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so boiling down to that and making it like such an interesting and cool movie, like shout out to that. And also like just visually looks amazing. I love stop yeah. animation, stop motion animation. I'm a sucker for it. So I think that the craft on display while watching this movie, I put it on to fall asleep. Not to say it like makes you want to fall asleep. I love this movie, but just because I wanted to kind of soak myself in the visuals of it while I was just laying in bed, I just put it on. And this movie is so stunning. Like while watching it, it's genuinely hard to even fathom how they put some of these set pieces, how they put this movie together, and how they constructed it all. Like it makes you realize that Pinocchio is actually a really good story when it's when it's done well. It's really not this. Disney has turned it into this thing that you know whatever. But I think when I'm watching this movie, I was moved by it. I thought it was visually like just some of the most spectacle I've seen through the form of an animated movie this year. I thought it was just stunning. Um, yeah. I'm rooting for Pinocchio, although it is hard because Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, kind of slaps. Puss in Boots. 
Posting yeah. Boots slaps so hard. Um, I cannot, it's so fun when I get to tell people that I saw Posting Boots and that it's actually so good. I know, it's um, one of my favorite things this year. I'm just like, yeah, so guys, people, it actually rocks. Yeah, so, so many people at work have joked with me about like Posting Boots and I'm like, oh no, I watched it and I would watch it again. It's yeah. really good. Um, and like even some of the performances in Posting Boots too, like stacked voice acting cast that I didn't realize until after I watched the movie. With like John Mulaney, Florence Pugh is in this movie. Olivia Coleman's in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's pretty impressive. Uh, and so, I think that's really where the race is. It's between Pinocchio and Puss in Boots for me. Like Trungwood was really good. Marcel Shell wish she was on. So cute, so sweet. Uh, the Sea Beast I've heard was okay. Um, it's very fun. It's just like a very nicely animated version of Moby Dick. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that's yeah. So. I, uh, I, Puss in Boots, man. There's nothing I, I take greater joy out of saying than Oscar nominated Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Just that sentence just fucking slaps. Dude, okay. I made a, I made a D&D character, um, that I'm playing in a campaign right now. Pretty much is Puss in Boots. Uh, but I gave him a Russian accent. This, cause I, I hadn't watched the movie yet. Um, and then I watched Puss in Boots and I came back the next session. And I was like, guys, the accent might change. Like, yeah. I might He's just gonna be sound Puss like Antonio Banderas now. Yeah. I really might start, uh, just, like looking at enemies and being like, fear me if you dare. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. It's just like, I have never, I don't think I've been that like into an animated movie, uh, since like Spider-Verse. Like, yeah. You know how Spider-Verse has, like, so many cool shots, and everyone talks about, like, that scene um, where Miles jumps off the building and how cool that looks? I think about, like, the opening scene of Puss in Boots in the same regard. Like, it slaps so hard. It's incredible stuff. Um, It's just so good. I love it when the cat wears the boots, you know? I don't know what else to say. Like, I'm a very simple man. I love seeing that puss in his boots. Exactly. Uh, My pick is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which a movie, as time goes on, I just find myself loving it and thinking about it even more. Um, Yeah. Ciao, papa. Yeah, I I was also going to say, that song, so good. Why didn't that get in there for best original song? I don't know. Great stuff. Such a good song. Yeah, I mean, Um, puss in boots, man. Good stuff yeah. as well. It's between those two. Very good movies. Um, before we move on from animated, just really quickly, the one thing I want to say is, like, I really respect that this year kind of proves the argument of, like, animation is for kids. This year proves it wrong entirely. Most of these movies are, like, pretty, like, comp. Like, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On is about how you navigate loss. It's really about this. I know it's told through the perspective of a talking shell, but it's really a story of, what do you do when you've lost the people that you care most about? And how do you find a way forward without what you find family in, without what you find, what, without what you call home, you know? Yeah. I, I think that a lot of these movies are really do that. I think the only one that isn't really a sea beast, uh, it's yeah. more of just like an adaptation of Moby Dick, like you said, but, um, you've got Pinocchio dealing with like humanity, Puss in Boots dealing with the inevitability of death. Yeah, um, and like turning panic red. attacks and like anxiety, crazy. Yeah, stuff. turning red, dealing with uh, also like panic attacks, but like family trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, like you've got some really good, uh, got some really good nominations here, and so I'm excited to see who wins. And I honestly, I think I'd be happy with anything except for Sea Beast. You know? Yeah, that's fair. No, I feel the same way too as well. Um, there's a couple other categories, but we're running out of time, so we're just gonna go mainly to Best Picture, Best yeah, Visual Effects. Of- 
is just going to go to Avatar. Like I would go yeah. through naming them all. I'm not here to take away from anybody's incredible work that they've that they've done on these movies. It's just James Cameron worked for 13 years and you guys worked for two. There, you yeah. know, like there's there's nothing else to say there. Um, best picture. Here are our options. We have Top Gun Maverick, Women Talking, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Banshees of Inishirin, Triangle of Sadness, The Fablemans, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, Elvis, and Tar. As we said at the front of the episode, like just a really good year for the best picture category. And I think that puts you in a situation where it kind of becomes hard to talk about it because all these movies are good and you can make an argument for pretty much all of them. Um, but what's your pick and, and what are you, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, here's my, here's my question to you. I, we have talked about a lot of these movies already, almost all of them. So right. my challenge to you is pick one that you think is going to win the single one that you think is going to win. And, and you can also have like, runners up or whatever but pick right. the one that you think is going to win and why do you think it's going to win i already know mine okay i want so badly i'm going to be the mouthpiece again i want so badly for everything everywhere all at once to win this um mm -hmm. i really think it has a very strong chance i think a lot of these movies are great top gun is going to give it a hard time avatars are going to give it a hard time but i just think like when you're talking about writing technicality acting like all this stuff this is one of those movies that i think really blew people away and everyone was very hesitant about it first but then once they watched it they immediately fell in love with it um i think it just sh shares a really good story um does an amazing job at what it's trying to do uh and yeah i just really think that it has a really strong chance of winning mm -hmm. um but then again it's the oscars so who knows I, know. I would say that's probably my my hope is that everything yeah. everywhere all at once is going to win here. I I am going to agree with you, and, I, and I'm going to say, and I'm going to explain yes. why. I'll go. So yes, I think this award is everything everywhere all at once is, but it's also it's for multiple other reasons other than the fact that I love this movie. Um, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert have told a very moving story about how they, they went to Kiwi Kwan, who's an actor that they, they grew up loving, and they, they had to get him in this movie and pull him back into the industry, that they got to work with one of their idols through the form of Michelle Yeoh, that they are really just these two scrappy guys who like making weird fucking movies, and somehow they ended up coming together with this perfect cast, getting a sizable, not really even a big budget, but enough money to make their vision come together. And... There's just this huge underdog thing going on with everything, everywhere, all at once, where at first everybody was like, that weird little movie with hot dog fingers isn't going to win Best Picture. But as time goes on and as, as they ride this award season, they're doing such a good job selling the heart of this movie, which is, I yeah. think, what was lost on the Academy at first. And it's the reason that this movie stood no chance for a long time. But as time goes on, the more they talk about it, they've talked a lot about how much this means to them, how much the story means to them. Um, Daniel Kwan talks a lot about, you know, growing up as, as an Asian man, trying to find work and trying to tell the stories he wants to tell. And I think it's just a story that has moved a lot of people. And I think it's kind of bumped everything everywhere all at once to the very front of, of the list, because yeah. really it finds the perfect blend of like the indie, you know, crazy kind of weird stuff that the Academy likes. And also the kind of blockbuster sensibilities of the audience. It's kind of a fusion between like, you know, a movie like, um, 
okay, I don't have a good example here, but really what I'm trying to say is that it's, it's a fusion of the two sensibilities that the academies have, which is like a little bit pretentious, a little bit artsy, but also very fun, very grand blockbuster. And so yeah. I think that, I think that that's why it's just going to win. I think it just finds the perfect middle ground and it just slides in there at number one. Yeah. My number, my I... number two pick though, um, I do think that the Fablemans, we can't count it out. The Academy mm-hmm. loves Steven Spielberg. Um, it's yeah. a story about his own life. And I just think that there's a chance that it, it's still, it's not completely disqualified. But if it was between three, I think it's the Fablemans. Or it's everything everywhere, number one. Uh, number two is the Fablemans. Number three is the Banshees of Inishirin. In regards to what I think stands most likely to win. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree with you. I, maybe I'd swap out number three with like Top Gun, maybe. Or because Top Gun was so huge for the movie industry in general, like mm-hmm. they might give it that recognition. But yeah, I, I have to agree. I think that that is the three runner ups, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, it's again, like it could go to anything this year. I'm really actually saying that's not entirely true. I don't think there's any chance it goes to something like Triangle of Sadness or or even Women Talking. Um, Women Talking, I'm really glad to see it here. I'm really glad it's got its recognition mm-hmm. and more people... No pun intended. I'm glad more people are going to be talking about it. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a movie that kind of got brushed off. And really, that's why I was so stunned to see it when it managed to slide its way into this best picture category is because it kind of just had been shrugged away. Everybody was like, yeah, that yeah. one's really good. But there was no conversation now, around it. Now that it's out, uh, we definitely want to talk about it. But uh, we think that it's a little weird if men talk about women talking. So we're going to have some other people on that episode. But that one will come out eventually. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think think the one thing I really can take away from looking at the Best Picture uh, nominations, I'm just really glad about all, a lot of these movies. And I'm glad to see that all these movies are um, getting recognized and that I'm behind a lot of the movies that they've chosen this year for mm-hmm. a lot of the different categories. Uh, and so I just – I really hope that they are learning from their mistakes and they're realizing that they don't have to try and be this big, huge award show with all the flashy lights and all this stuff. It's just like focus on the movies that people love. Mm-hmm. Focus on the very simple, basic, what movies are really hitting people, what is really like out there, very popular, um, and it's just good movies. Like, oh, yeah. I, I think all of these movies here are just really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm excited for the uh, Oscars. I'm excited to see who wins. Um, I'm sure we'll do a whole episode on that, too, yeah. uh, after the Oscars. But, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited this year. I think there's a lot of good um, nominations. And, too, like, I, this is – I think this is one of the first years where I actually feel like I'm going to be a little um, – on my on the edge of my seat excited to see what's happening but also being like ah i love all these movies so right yeah i think you're right too this is going to have everyone kind of anticipating what it's going to be because everyone's so uncertain yeah i i also the last thing i'll say before we wrap up i'm just really excited that when we have our oscars party wesley so often we do our little oscars party and it's like we drag Morgan out to the couch and we make Morgan watch it, even though he's like not super into the Oscars. And then you and I just sit around and we're like, fuck yeah, for like a couple hours. What's really exciting about this year's Oscar show is like all of our friends have seen something here. And we're going to be yeah. able to convince all of them to join us for this because everyone has seen something and everyone has something they're rooting for. 
which is really interesting because mm-hmm. a lot of the time half of our friends are like, I haven't seen any of those movies and I don't give a shit about this. And this year, someone, almost everyone in our friend group will have something to root for. And I think that's going to be really fun to see. That'll be a really interesting and unique vibe that we haven't had with the Oscars for, for quite some time. Yeah. Do you have uh, anything else to say about these Oscar nominations or anything? Everything, everywhere, all at once. Sweep. Let's go. Yes. yes. I, That's what we're tw- hoping for. Yeah. I tweeted, or not tweeted, but I posted about how happy I was to see Sun Lux's score for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And they liked my comment. And I was like, Yeah, I saw. Kings, get your bag. You deserve this award. Um, everywhere, ever, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Sweep. Let's go. Yes, it's so good. It's so amazing. And if you want to hear us talk about it even more, you can find all of our other episodes on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also check us out on Instagram at the Diving Movie Cast. And our individual Instagrams, I'm at Wesley Giffen. I am at Hayden Kutris, and it's the same name on our letterbox. And before I let you continue, Wesley, I our Everything Everywhere All At Once episode. I'm so glad that Joe got such a good episode out of us, but it breaks my heart that that's not our episode. So if you want yes. to hear our thoughts on on that movie in particular, since we love it so much, it's over on the Kyber Culture, um, and it's a really good episode. So it's worth checking out. I'll put the link in the bio. But I just wanted to say, unfortunately, you won't find that episode on our feed, but we have talked about it. Yes. Um, so definitely go check it out over on the Kyber Culture if you haven't uh, listened to it yet. But other than that, thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll be talking about all these movies one more time when uh, the Oscars roll around, so we'll uh, see you then. March 12th, baby. 